0: Welcome to the Draw Shop's Get Genius Podcast, where we talk to today's business influencers to pick their brain and pull out their genius. It's time to Get Genius. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another Get Genius episode. I am super pumped for today's podcast because, as many of you know, I am a super productivity junkie, and today's guest, Ari Mizel, is the productivity genius. If you're completely addicted to anything that can simplify your life in all aspects, then you are listening to the right episode. I use automation and outsourcing when it comes to my health and business and with my family. And I truly think that I would be a chicken running around with my head cut off if I didn't hack my life with automation and outsourcing. So I invited Ari to be on the podcast because first of all, I just love his podcast, which is the Less Doing Podcast, and it's actually on my must-hear weekly list. And because of Ari, I have totally outsourced and automated many systems in my life and in business, including myself and our team at The Draw Shop. We use Ari's fantastic platform called Trello. Trello is a collaboration tool that organizes your projects into boards. So basically, what it does is in one glance, it tells you what's being worked on, who's working on what, and where something is in a process, and you can assign high quality virtual assistants to assist you on any of these projects. And when I say high quality, I mean high quality. And I'll go into that in the interview as well. Um, but Trello has seriously been a total game changer for for me since it came into my life. It's how I run the podcast and so many systems in in business. So I highly recommend it. And of course, we'll have all of those in the all the links in our show notes. But let me tell you a little bit about Ari before we jump into the interview. So in 2006, Ari Meisel was diagnosed with Crohn's disease. And if you don't know what that is, it's an incurable disease of the digestive tract. And his case was so severe and required more than a dozen daily medications and even several hospital visits. After reaching a low point in the hospital, Ari decided he would do everything in his power to strengthen his body. And so he did yoga, he paid attention to his nutrition, um, implemented natural supplements and rigorous exercise. I think he even did an Ironman and CrossFit or all that kind of stuff. And he was able to fight back the symptoms of Crohn's disease until he was finally able to suspend his medication. So that alone is pretty amazing. Eventually, he was declared free of all traces of this disease, and that's when he competed in the Ironman France in 2011. Since then, he's spoken at seminars and at regional TED Talk about his struggle against a seemingly insurmountable opponent. And through the process of data collection, self-tracking, and analysis, he helped develop less doing as a way of dealing with the daily stresses of life by optimizing, automating, and outsourcing all his tasks in life and in business. And now he focuses on helping people be more effective at everything that they do. So with that, listen to the interview, and I'm sure you'll be implementing something at the end of this 30 minutes. Enjoy. Hi, Ari, and welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Thank you. So just so you know, the less doing podcast has become essential for me. I listen to it all the time. Like when I'm in hotels, I'm doing my hair, driving to the office, picking up the kids. Like, I feel like I won't miss out on what I need to know to be more productive if I just listen to the podcast. So thank you for that.
1: <laughs> well, thank you very much. That's what we hope it will be, you know, that that, that sort of uh, bite-sized nugget that you can't miss.
0: Oh my gosh, it's perfect. And then I go to the show notes and I'm like, what was that app again? Oh yeah, there it is. So I implement all that stuff. I just love it. So, But I have a question for you. I have always tended to be somebody who loves time management and being productive, but there are people that are not that way naturally. And I'm wondering if you were a naturally productive person with time and all that you do.
1: You know, it's a really, it's a great question because I haven't, I think I've been asked that once or twice before and not, not very often. And I don't, I don't think so, honestly. I don't think I was a particularly like time obsessed productive person. I think that I was always interested in like tinkering and building things, uh, and and that always had like a sort of technological bend to it. So I don't think I ever approached it from a time management standpoint. I think it was always more of like a just how to make things more efficient, uh, and that sort of translated to to this. So, but you know, it's the same question. Honestly, in my mind, is like, are people born entrepreneurs or do they become entrepreneurs? Like, I don't know if you can necessarily be a like, time management OCD person by, by, like, by nature. I think that that's sort of like a symptom of your work habits.
0: True, true, yeah, I can see that. So what do you think then about, about busy people, the people that are like, oh, I'm too busy, I'm too busy, or I've got so much going on, I'm so sorry, I've been overwhelmed. What do you think of those people?
1: Yeah. Well, the, wor- the first of all, the worst version of that, which I, I can't stand honestly, is when people say that they're head down.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um,
1: I, I cannot stand that because it's like you're. It, it's a, it's a stupid thing to say. First of all, because if you're head down, that means that you're giving yourself some sort of tunnel vision, and you you think you're focusing on one thing, and somehow like forcing yourself to avoid distractions. But it doesn't quite work that way because you need context to anything that you're doing anyway. So I just think that 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 mode that people think that they get into is is ridiculous. So yes, this idea of being busy is, and I I fall into the trap too. I'm a parent of four, so I tend tend to say that I'm busy a lot. But overwhelm is something very different. That is a real thing that, in my experience, and I, and I, I, I sometimes jokingly refer to myself as an overwhelmologist, it's a symptom of the sort of technological place that we find us in where there's just so much stuff going on that oftentimes the thing that's causing the overwhelm, we we just don't know what it is because we can't, because there's just too much information overload. So the busyness thing is self-imposed. The head down thing is self-imposed, but overwhelm is not.
0: Yeah, exactly. So I had always been the person that's like, okay, I have to write down what I need to get done today. And you have an opinion on to-do lists, don't you?
1: Yeah, to-do lists are terrible for your productivity. <laughs> um, but but what you're talking about is not necessarily what I would consider a normal to-do list. Um, what you're doing actually sounds a little bit smarter. The problem with to-do lists as people traditionally look at them, is that the human brain works in a way that we want to get things done now. We want closure. We're always trying to like get things done. Even even terrible procrastinators, if if you want to consider yourself, if someone considers themselves that, like they still like to get things done. And the problem with most to-do lists. Is that people put things on them that are like someday projects, you know, and there's very little specificity to what they need to get done or when they need to do it. So we end up seeing this list of all this stuff that's either too big of a project or you're waiting on somebody else to do something first. So you can't do it. Um, What you're talking about for you is actually a much better version where you're saying these are the things I can get done today. Hopefully that's what you're saying. But you, but you can also, but you can take that much further, which is what I recommend people do, which is to get almost down to the hour and the very next action that you can take on any project. So, uh, I don't have any to do list at all. I have reminders that come in at very specific times to tell me what to do next for a project or, or I outsource it.
0: Yeah, and, I le- and that's often what I would do is I would take you know kind of the overall, okay, here are the things I want to get accomplished, break them up into, okay, what's going to get done this week, and then break them up, like you said, into the hour. So from this time to this time, I'm doing this. And then you just know what's coming, and somehow you get it done in that hour, 20 minutes or 30 minutes that you need to get it done, because you know that you just have that time delegated to it.
1: Right, but it also speaks to the fact that there are better times and worse times for us to do different things. Oh, so, okay. you know, like, for example, I know that I, I can't do creative work before eight o'clock at night. Um, and a lot of that has to do with, you know, that's when the kids are asleep and it's quiet and blah, blah, blah. So if it's, if a task requires me to be creative, I will push it off to after eight o'clock at night on whatever day, whether it's tonight or tomorrow or anything. But I don't have to think about it before that time. Uh, we also tend to be more creative when we're tired. So that might help as well.
0: Oh, really? Is that so?
1: Yeah, it's, which is really messed up because basically what that's saying is that our brains are just constantly working against us to shoot down our all of our, all our quote, quote unquote bad ideas, and when we're when we're tired, we're a little less inhibited.
0: That's crazy, but I can totally see that now. <laughs> wow. So, can you talk to us about achievement architecture and what that is?
1: Sure. So, achievement architecture, and the only reason I'm hesitant is because I don't completely call it that anymore it's still it's it's still valid it's still valid but i just i don't really refer to it like that anymore um it's basically my coaching methodology which is where i teach people how to optimize automate and outsource everything in their lives um and the reason i called it that is because i've been a real estate developer for 15 years as well and i'm always building things and you know working with architects and so to me it was like basically a blueprint for how you can achieve the things that you want to achieve. And that framework that optimize automate outsource framework really is the basis for everything that I do.
0: And is that where the less doing and the less do is community evolved from?
1: Yeah. So basically, I mean the, the, the backstory, which I, you know, I think you probably covered in the introduction is essentially I overcame a chronic illness. So I was working very, very long hours in construction and then I got sick and I was only able to work about an hour a day. And essentially I looked at that as a challenge of, well, if I only have an hour now, how am I going to get everything done? And, and what am I going to discard and what am I going to have someone else do and all that stuff? And it was a really interesting parameter. And it's actually an exercise that I take a lot of my coaching clients through nowadays is you know, what would you do if you could only work an hour a day? And even it's not that I want you to do that, you know, which kind of like the four-hour work week. It's not that's not what I'm trying to get people to do, but it is a really interesting thought experiment to go through. And further than that. It's, it's one thing to say to somebody, what would you do if you left the office an hour early every day? Totally, totally different thing to stretch your brain to a place of what would you do if you could only work one hour in a day? So, again, even if it's not realistic, it gets you thinking. So the Optimize Automate Outsource came out of that, and that served as the framework for the entire less-doing system, which is now comprised of nine fundamentals. But. Everything sort of follows that path of optimizing first, which is really about identification and tracking to some extent, but really just identifying what the problem is. Uh, Automation is anything where you can set it up where it's kind of a set it and forget it mentality, which, honestly, nowadays, we can automate things today that a month ago a person had to do. It's kind of incredible, the technological era we live in.
0: I know. Crazy.
1: And then if anything's left over at that point, that's the first time you look at outsourcing it to a person
0: and so we do that with with trello i mean we have so many things at at the draw shop that we use trello for yes but i think that for for a lot of people that are looking into that getting a virtual assistant and outsourcing there's there's definitely a way to delegate to a va what are some of your tips for smart ways to do that
1: well The problem that most people face when they outsource things is that they try to do it first. It's very, very easy to just say, I don't want to do this. So here, let me find someone else to do it. But the problem is that that actually can make it worse for you because you're distancing yourself from the problem. It doesn't make the problem itself more efficient. So you're really just dumping a mess in someone else's lap. So, the very first, I mean, honestly, the, the thing to do is to go through the steps of optimize, automate, and outsource first so that you're giving it to a person only when it's already been well-defined, like the steps are very clear, and realistically, there shouldn't be that much left to do. And the thing that is left to do is something suited for a human. It's not boring because it's not repetitive, it's not menial. You know, It's a thing that actually requires a human doing what they do better than a machine. And the other thing is that 90% of the time, and I've said this for years, when you outsource something to a competent outsourcing provider, 90% of the time, if they make a mistake, it's your fault because you didn't properly convey what you needed to them and give them all the information that was required. And people look at delegation as just telling someone to do something. But the truth is that real delegation is a form of leadership because you need to be able to communicate effectively what you need done so that somebody can take it over and have, feel empowered enough to take ownership of it. And you can go back to doing what you are supposed to be doing, which is not managing.
0: Exactly. Yeah. And, and I learned that from you. And in fact, I mean, the way the podcast is run, everything is, uh, you know, a specific system of how to do it. And it's, it's a great exercise for yourself too to actually go through those steps and communicate, like you said.
1: Yes, exactly.
0: Nothing like clarity. (laughs) Right. So what are some of the things that you can outsource or automate that people don't realize you can like that people kind of go, Oh, I never thought of that. Like, can you think of three things?
1: Yeah. So content creation is a big one for a lot of our clients and myself. I don't consider myself to be a particularly skilled writer, but you know, I have published books and I have blog posts and things. I'm good at speaking or I'm good at talking basically. And so a lot of times when I've had people tell me like, oh, you know, I've tried to outsource to a a writer or whatever, and they just didn't get my voice right. And they couldn't, you know, it it was so, it didn't do well. It was sounded, it sounded artificial. And the the first question with someone like that is, well, how did you tell the writer what you wanted them to do? And they'll be like, oh, well, I wrote them an email. I said, said, that's the problem. (laughs) You're not a writer. So don't write to a writer what you want them to write. Uh, so it's really like that, that's a simple one is voice recordings or video recordings or you know, whatever it might be or drawings even in some cases to have someone do content creation for you and writing. So the, there's the one thing where it's that people don't think that you can have very high level stuff done and you, you definitely can. The second kind of stuff is when there's a very complex process and people don't realize that you can fit in a on-demand worker who doesn't know anything about the way that you do things. Into those, you know, into various steps of that, if you just have a well defined process. So it's one of the things that we're always trying to do with my company is that whenever a client gives us a process, we want to less doify it first so that we can make it as efficient as possible. Um, and then the third kind is in person stuff. So for some p- reason, people don't seem to bridge that gap that a VA, even if they're based in, you know, the Philippines or India, we can, they can still arrange for in person stuff to happen. Uh, it's it's kind of shocking to me, and I, I mean I live in New York City, so I think I'm spoiled by this. But there are so many services that provide on demand in person assistance. Yeah, and you know Task Rabbit, uh, Caviar, Uber, like all these things that a VA can arrange for you.
0: No, it's so awesome, and I think in your book you talk about you know, the subscriptions to like Amazon, like what are the things that you're having to run to the store to get all the time that you know, you need every month anyway, just have them. Especially
1: as a parent, that's like the lifesaver of the lifesavers for us.
0: It's like I don't think I've ever run out of toilet paper you know since, <laughs> since that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm happy to have helped. <laughs> yeah
0: because <laughs> yeah, that's you know we've got four kids at our house too, so I, I know that whole thing.
1: Well, I mean you know a big one for us is honestly like is dog food. Uh, we have two dogs and canned dog food is really heavy. Um, so we get that taken care of, we never have to think about it and it's cheaper.
0: Yeah, it is. It totally is. And I think people don't realize that, but it's, it's definitely cheaper. So speaking of family, what are, what are things that you do to make the the kids and family run more efficiently?
1: Well, I think the biggest thing is that I'm, I'm, I'm here a lot. <laughs> um, I, you know, I have a, at this point I have sort of a three half day work week, basically I've had a two day work week before, but now I have always a three day work week. Uh, and I do a lot of stuff. Well, so this is, sort of a half answer, and I'll, I will give you a full answer. The half answer is that on my side, I do a lot of mainly asynchronous communication with people. Um, and that's either by email or Slack, or there's an, a really great app called Roger, which is basically like a walkie-talkie. Uh, and what that means is that if I'm walking the, my twin boys from their morning program to their school in the afternoon, which is like an hour, I really can't get on a phone call, and nor do I want to necessarily, because realistically, one of them is going to say, you know, daddy, this or daddy, that, you know, so I can't really be on a phone call, but I certainly can exchange asynchronous messages with somebody where they're leaving me a two minute message on Roger that I've listened to. And then I can send one back and I really get a lot of stuff done that way.
0: Oh, that's awesome. Make sure to put those in the show notes too, Roger.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's really good. Um, and then as far as like the household itself, yeah, we, I mean, it, it's weird to put it this way, but My wife and I actually do a lot of stuff ourselves, uh, and we're here. My wife is at home. We have a an eight week old baby uh, as number four, and I am at home a lot.
0: Chloe, don't you? Chloe, yeah. Chloe, my daughter, my youngest is Chloe. (laughs) Oh, cool!
1: Thank you very much. She's already proving to be easier than boys. (laughs)
0: So <laughs>
1: Yeah. Um, but I mean, like we don't have a nanny. We don't have a housekeeper. Like we're doing that stuff ourselves. We're cleaning my wall. My wife is cleaning mostly. Right. Um, I'm pretty good with dishes, but um, it's like my form of meditation. Uh, so we're just, we're here a lot and we're getting it done. And it's almost the, the reason that it's efficient for us is because we do little bits like all the time. Um, essentially so because we've had cleaning services and we've had nannies at different times and it's just never really works for us and like the cleaning thing is so annoying because we'll have a cleaning person come in and the house will be spick and span for about 17 seconds and then and then the boys just tear the house apart so it's way more efficient for us to do little bits like all the time and chunk it you know so that
0: makes sense i do that yeah
1: we also eat 95 percent of our meals at home and cook at home and uh, so I've talked about this before, how, like, when you get to a place where you're very, very efficient in most parts of your life, which I would happily say I am, yeah. then you can almost take pleasure in doing the things that previously seemed like chores.
0: Absolutely. I, I totally get that. And I, I feel the same. I, yeah, the more that you do that, the more that you go, Hey, I'm actually enjoying cleaning the kitchen because it's just something I do, you know?
1: Well, have you, have you ever seen the movie, uh, Bruce Almighty? Yes. Okay, so you remember how Morgan Freeman, who's God, is telling him that, you know, he's mopping the floor and he's saying no matter how dirty things get in the world, you can always clean them right up. It's that kind of thing, you know, because then it's like you're just it's 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 almost like a good pleasure in doing something where you're not sitting at a desk in front of a computer. You're just, you know, using your hands and you're you're seeing an end result very quickly. too.
0: Exactly. Oh, that's so true. Yes, I love that. So what's your, what's your trick of falling asleep in eight minutes or less?
1: Oh, I think that, well, there's a couple of things to that. One is that as a parent of four, I'm you know, pretty much sleep deprived for a very long time. Um, and I'm just very, but I am, but I'm also very efficient with my sleep. So I think part of that is that my brain has gotten to realize that I have a limited amount of time to get the sleep in. So I better get what I can. Right. Right. Um, but the biggest thing, even before I had kids, honestly, it, it, cause I could always do that is, uh, having a clear mind, you know? So if you're using my principle of external brain and you have a clear head, it's a lot easier to fall asleep. If there's not much like shoot, like rolling around in your head that you have to be thinking about or worrying
0: about. So true. Yeah. So tell me what's new for you. I think you, you have an app out now.
1: Yeah, well, so we have the less-doing peak time app, which tells you the hour-and-a-half period each day that you are statistically 2 to 100 times more effective than any other time of the day. Uh, but, I mean, and that's that's a nice tool for for me to use with clients and with the general public, honestly, to see, like, when people's peak time is. Mine tends to be between 10 and noon. Uh, but the, the less-doing virtual assistants are, my, are like the main thing right now, and that's really the big focus, where we're providing, in my opinion, the world's most capable on-demand virtual project managers, really, to individuals and businesses all around the world. And what that has led to is less-doing BPO, which is less-doing business process optimization. So it's essentially what I've been doing for people's personal lives for the last six years. Now... Me and my partner, Nick, are doing it for businesses.
0: Oh, that's fantastic. So if somebody wants to get involved, learn all of these productivity hacks, like what's the best way for them to get involved and what can they do right away?
1: They can go to lessdoing.com to learn all about what we do, the books, the blog, the podcast, all that stuff. Um uh, but And this sounds self-serving, but I mean, I also created a service to fill a need that I knew was out there. I really do think that everybody at some point should try working with a virtual assistant. And it doesn't have to be us. By any means, you can find lots of services out there. It's a really interesting exercise for you to go through where you have to explain something to somebody who you'll never meet and who you may only interact with once, depending on the kind of company you're using. Uh and even if you have an executive assistant who's been with you for 20 years sitting in the office with you, even more so, because those are the times of things where those people have not necessarily – and there's very, very good executive assistants out there, but you fall into a rhythm, and it becomes that much more difficult to stop and look at the processes to see how you can make them more efficient. Because I can't tell you how many times I hear somebody tell me that the reason they do something the way they've been doing it is because they've been doing it for so long.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it forces you to think differently. And when you actually put it out there and have to write it out and, you know, make it, you know, as we know, we know, Joel Weldon, make it impossible to misunderstand. You learn a lot. You learn so much about your own systems and how you're operating things and how much more effective you could be doing it.
1: Yeah, or that you don't have to do it at all, honestly, because, again, there's like free apps and free tools that come out every day that completely replace people's jobs.
0: Well, and the great thing too about, you know, the, your team of VAs is that they know all, so you can suggest something to them or you can say that, you know, I'm trying to find a system where I can get this, 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 and this done. They'll tell you, okay, there's an app or there's a platform or whatever it is, they suggest it to you. That's, that's the benefit, in my opinion, of working with Trello. You know, yes. you've got like experts. It's almost like you've got a coach, but they're your VA.
1: <laughs> right. Yes. And they're giving you just the answers that you need.
0: Exactly. Yeah. And they're, they're super up to date on everything.
1: That's, that's my job.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You've done an incredible job and we, I mean, honestly, I can't even tell you how much it's, it's worked for us. It's just made us so productive and Eric and I can focus on the things that we want to be doing and that we love, you know, so we, we can go to that, like, okay, what, If we only had an hour a day, what would we do? I feel like we're doing that. So
1: well, I'm very glad to hear that. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Well, this has been an awesome interview and I will make sure that we have the links to less doing and all that in our show notes and on the blog post for this interview. And Ari, you've been so awesome. Thank you so much. Can't wait to see you again. Yeah, me too. Thanks, Summer. Thanks. you for listening to today's get genius you can learn more about the draw shop at www.thedrawshop.com on facebook linkedin and twitter your home for kick butt custom whiteboard marketing videos your ideas come to life thanks for listening please share comment and make any suggestions for future genius guests